0: Well, good morning, let's be honest with you, I've still got three fingers and two toes that are not frost <clears throat> Is anybody else just freezing this morning? <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> Huddle up close, you can get an excuse if you're single to squeeze in a little closer to that beautiful girl next to you. All right, when you're the speaker, you have this unique view of worship. And, uh, and everything that comes before, it it's just unique because you know what you're about to share. And in fact, uh, today I'm actually gonna be largely going off of a script, which is not always the way I like to do it, but sometimes I like to do that. And then I kind of vary from here and there, but. I have everything written pretty much that I'm gonna share and from the speaker's standpoint, when you walk into a service and you hear the worship and then you hear just the little things that are said like, like Brent said and, and then jo- uh, Jovan said and then Marty says and when you see it all just coming out of your text, <laughs> that's a really good feeling. That's a really good feeling. So honestly, uh, I think the Lord's up to something today and um i want to encourage you guys to just take the moment to just say hey 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 wake up wake up i know my toes are cold and i'm I'm freezing but like wake up i want to receive from the lord all right now you know what this is this is a steno pad and apparently you are not supposed to preach out of these because i was sitting at the table this morning at breakfast just kind of thumbing through it and my wife said what's that i said it's my sermon on a steno pad so obviously I've broken a rule because my wife is never wrong about these things and so I apologize <laughs> if I have offended you but this is my, I'm, I'm out of a steno pad today. All right, we're gonna be looking at Psalm 147. We're gonna go through Psalm 147 verse by verse, line by line, word by word. We're gonna be here forever. <laughs> but forever's a long time so we're not gonna be here forever but we might just butt right into uh, prayer service tonight if I'm not careful. No, actually I won't get through the entirety. I really was going to when I was going through my notes last night and again this morning, I will cut it off at some point and I'll let you do the finishing Uh, portion of it on your own. So I've spoke out of the Psalms a few times. A lot of times it's just a verse, but occasionally I'll just take an entire Psalm. And so one time, several years ago, I spoke out of Psalm 1 and just broke it down verse by verse by verse and allowed the Lord to, to speak to us through that. Also later, I did one on Psalm 73. I just like how that processes. And so today we look at Psalm 147. Now, so some context here. Psalm 146 all the way to Psalm 150 is a special little grouping of psalms and they're often called the praise psalms. And in fact, each one of them starts and ends with the same phrase and that is praise the Lord. Everybody say it with me, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, we're gonna say that a lot today. In fact, we've already said it a lot today. Praise the Lord and in fact, it's a phrase for us but it's a word in the Hebrew and that word is hallelujah. And we've also said hallelujah a lot today. So these are the praise psalms, also called the hallelujah psalms. And what's interesting is these five psalms, 146 to 150, reveal the purpose of the entire book of psalms. So you might ask, or you might wonder, why would you reveal the purpose at the very end? Like why not just put that at the beginning so that we know where we're going? One commentator said, like life, the journey is usually the key to appreciating the destination. Like life, the journey is usually the key to appreciating the destination. So if the book of Psalms were a dinner party, this is my own thought, this is not a commentator, so blame me. If the book of Psalms, all 150, were a dinner party, Psalm one would be your invitation, your little card that says, come on over to the house, you're invited to the dinner party. There's six verses, like I said earlier, we've spoke on this one before, there's six verses, the first three apply to the righteous, and the last three apply to the wicked. Now if you remember, it's righteous and it's wicked. It's not righteous and it's unrighteous, it's righteous and it's wicked, because whenever the Lord separates, he separates into two camps. There's the sheep and the goats. There's the light and the darkness. There's the salt and the unsalty. There's the good what what's some other things? Help me out. Help me. Can't hear it? Good and evil, yeah. Help me. Come on. Say it again. Okay. Oh cold and heat I had to look that one up that's good yeah so there's always, it's always two categories always two categories good fish and bad fish I mean the Bible it's always two if Psalm 1 is your invitation Psalm 2 through 145 well that's the meal that's the conversation that's the lingering that's the entertainment whatever is in that dinner party that's where all the stuff is, is happening and then Psalm 146 through 150 is like the host's final goodbyes thanks for coming We love you, don't forget what we talked about, and in this case, don't forget to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. As a human, you don't have to. You don't have to praise the Lord. As a human, you do not have to praise the Lord, at least not yet. There will be a day, one day, where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, but for now, you don't have to. And so, as we look at Psalm 147, I encourage you, reach out and take hold of the truth. Take hold of a truth. It's a broad spectrum of of truths here. Take hold of something and ultimately, may it lead you to praise the Lord. Now again, you don't have to. You don't have to grab hold of the truth. There are plenty of other options. Some of them are evil, some of them are lies, some of them are good but they're not best. You don't have to take hold of the truth but you have the opportunity to do so and if you build your life on truths like this that we're gonna talk about, we will benefit. All right, so a funny story. I'm challenging you guys to reach out and grab hold of the truth. I recently reached out and grabbed hold of the wrong thing. This is like seven, seven or eight days ago. I'm getting ready for, for work or church or wherever I was going and I, I, my contacts were dry and so I reached out to grab the contact solution and I just scored it in my eye, and it wasn't contact solution. As soon as this liquid hit my face, I I was enveloped in this beautiful, fresh cucumber scent. (laughs) And it was my wife's toner, like makeup remover. It was Thayer's with witch hazel and cucumber. (laughs) It's the wrong thing. and as i grabbed it and as i squirted it and i was enveloped i was like whoa and my first thought was i am so glad this has not hurt any worse than it does because it hurt a little bit but it wasn't like it had rubbing alcohol in it because that would have been really bad but then my second thought was you remember that other time you reached out and grabbed the wrong thing and my mind just zoomed back about five or six years i was in this little dorm room at oxford now let's be clear i did not go to oxford well i went to oxford but I did not study at Oxford. I, I, I had a dorm room there for three weeks. I had an Oxford professor. I got to eat in their cafeteria. I got to walk in their halls. We got to learn, but I didn't go to Oxford. Okay, so that out of the way. I was at Oxford and they have got 45 colleges at Oxford. They all lead up to one university. So if you graduate from Oxford University, you you graduate from Oxford University, but you might have gone to 45 of the colleges. And so the college for theological studies is Regents Park. And so there I am at Regents Park. My little room is like several hundred years old. (laughs) It's just, there's nothing fancy about it. There's a bed, there's a desk, there's a sink. And that's my room. I think I had a chair, that's it. Two in the morning, just like clockwork, this happened to me last night at 11.45, 1.30, and 2.45. I wake up and I'm hungry. <laughs> my grandfather was like this. It's just the way it is, and I'm, I'm starving. So I get up, my sleep patterns are always broken. It's a terrible thing. I go in and I rummage through the fridge. Problem is I don't have a fridge in Oxford, so I had a plan, because I know myself. So I had always stashed snacks next to my bed. And one of my favorite snacks is if you go down out the door of Regent's Park, Up one street, right there on the corner is this little, I'll call it a bookstore slash convenience store called Oxfam. Has anybody been to an Oxfam over in London or Oxford or somewhere? Yes, you have, good. All right. Oxfam, you get these great books. The cool thing about being in London or Oxford or something like that is you can buy books and you flip open the front page and right there in pencil will be like three pounds and that's what you pay for this used book and it's used, it's like 180 years old but it's like three pounds. It's awesome, I'm always buying books and stuff but I'm there and I also, my eye was, was drifting over to this one particularly special thing. They were called strawberry puffs and strawberry puffs are like this beautiful, soft, marshmallowy candy with sugar coating, half of it's red, half of it's white, and so glorious, and so I bought some. Now, two or three as a serving, I would always have two or three bags, <clears throat> but. <laughs> so I had several bags, all right, so I had them on my nightstand. Well, in the middle of the night at like in the morning, I got hungry and I was like 83.5% asleep and I'm reaching over there looking for my strawberry puffs and I just got frustrated, I couldn't find it and so I reached a little lower on the nightstand and I found what I thought was the strawberry puffs and I grabbed one and I, in my sleep, in the 16 percent of awakeness, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm like, this just feels soft and squishy like a, so- like a strawberry puff. And so I took it to my mouth and I put it in my mouth. I thought in my 86 percent sleepiness, I thought it was a strawberry puff, but I remember thinking, something's not right here. This is just not exact, but I was hungry. And when you're hungry, you just gotta go for it. And so I bit down on that strawberry puff Have you ever noticed that Tide Laundry Detergent Pods, (laughs) the gel ones, there's a lot of similarities. And I know now, I know now, but I didn't know then. And so I bit down on it and woo, I woke up fast. And I ran over to the sink and I gargled and I spit and I gargled and I spit and I gargled. And for two days I had a sore throat. Didn't swallow any of it, but it was painful. God, the wrong thing. And that's what I was reminded of. And so today I was just thinking, how could I force that stupid, funny story into my sermon? That's how I did it. (laughs) So today I'm challenging you to reach out as we look through Psalm 147. Grab hold of the truth because you have other options. Turn on the TV, you have other options other than the truth. Jump on Facebook, you have other options. But I encourage you to grab hold. Of the truth and there are consequences both good and bad when you grab hold of the truth or otherwise verse number one so we're going to take this verse by verse verse number one hope you're taking some notes praise the lord how good is it to sing praises to god how pleasant and fitting to praise him the bible is full of reasons to praise the lord and we are often encouraged to sing praises. In fact, I printed off a few scriptures here that just talk about the, the act of singing praises. I know Brent's gonna appreciate this. Psalm 51, 14, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. Psalm 13, 6, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. 2 Samuel twenty two fifty. 50, therefore I will give thanks to God O Lord, among the nations, and I will sing praises to your name. Sing praises to your name. They go on. Uh, I will sing of the loving kindness of the Father, of of the Lord forever. To all generations I will make known your faithfulness with my mouth. Psalms 89.1. Psalms 59.16. But as for me, I shall sing of your strength Yes, I shall joyfully sing of your loving kindness in the morning, for you have been my stronghold and refuge in the day of my distress. And just one more for you, Psalm twenty-eight, seven: The Lord is my strength and my shield; my heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart exults, and with my song I shall thank him. Have you ever considered that singing is a privilege? Have you ever considered that the privilege of man, one of the privileges of man is singing? And I'm not saying we're the only ones, but there's a lot of creation that doesn't sing. Have you ever considered that it's a privilege of man to sing and then take it a step further? Have you ever considered that it is the privilege of the believer to praise the Lord in song? It's the privilege of the, so say it differently, worship is for the believer If you don't love the Lord, if the Lord has not saved you, you don't worship him. You just, you you don't do that. Worship is for the believer. And I know I'm gonna ruffle some plumage here, and I'm gonna be a little controversial with this next statement, and I'll be honest, I'm not 100% convinced on this, but as I was studying and just thinking of this idea of the importance of singing, singing, praising the Lord in song, did you know that it is more difficult than you might have thought to biblically support the idea that angels sing. I had never considered this, and I wasted a lot of time <laughs> reading about this this week. I'm not saying you can't prove it. I'm not saying that I'm 100% convinced. I'm just saying it is a whole lot more difficult And so I threw that question out to my family at the dinner table the other night and my little nine-year-old daughter, Adeline, I was so proud of her. She said, oh yeah, yeah, but what about? And she brought up the same example that I thought of and I was so proud of her. She said, what about when the, the, the shepherds saw the angels singing? And I said, well, that's a good point. That's the verse I thought of. So let's look at that verse. Luke chapter two, verse 13 and 14. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now let's be honest here, if it says sane but they really came down and they said it with song, I don't care. I'm okay with that. It's not gonna send us to heaven or hell. It's not a big deal. But I found it interesting. So then I looked, I thought, what's another verse? And so I actually, on this one, before I moved on, I actually looked it up. I looked it in the NIV, the NLT, the New King James Version, the Old King James Version, the NASB, the ESV, the Amplified. And then I looked up, just for your sake, the DRC1752. I don't even know what that is. (laughs) Marty knows what that is, but I have no idea. And they all said saying. So I said, Okay. Let's move on to my next proof text that I've got to find. So I didn't have any more. So I've jumped into the Google and I found Job 38.7. This one's brought up often. It says, or, uh, says something about stars. And, and let, me, let, me, let me just look this one up. So Job 38.7, it says, while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Okay, are morning stars angels? Are they actually stars? Are they something else? You do your own research. The fact is, verse after verse after verse after verse, interestingly enough, kept coming up that I'm not so sure they sing. Now, I'm not so sure they can't sing. I'm not sure they don't sing. I'm just saying from the, the scriptures that we have, over and over and over, I'm not so sure the angels sings. What's your point, Josh? Are you saying they can't? No. I don't know. My point, though, is that I do know that you can. and it's a good thing to sing praises, and it's pleasant, and it's fitting to do so. I don't know about them, but I do know about us, and there are days that I come into church and I don't want to sing. Did you know it's a privilege to be able to sing praises to the Lord? It says that it's not only good, but it's also pleasant and fitting to do so. And you know, it's sometimes difficult to find things that are both good And pleasant. I mean, think about that. There's a lot of things that are good, but they're not pleasant, or they're pleasant but not good. Brussels sprouts, for instance. (laughs) Now, I personally like Brussels sprouts. I think they're best if you shave them very thin or at least if you quarter them. That way, more seasoning will get on the Brussels sprout. (laughs) So really, though I like Brussels sprouts, what I really like are Brussels sprout seasonings (laughs) because Brussels sprouts are kind of bitter, and they're, they're not that pleasant but prepared correctly, they could be. Sprinting, running, jogging, anything faster than a saunter (laughs) is good for me, but it's not pleasant anymore. In fact, I could not walk up those stairs without being, that is not pleasant. This is just difficult. So sprinting, donuts. Many of you had donuts for breakfast. Donuts are good tasting. They're probably not good for you, but they are pleasant. But they're not good. And ple- so my point is, there's lots and lots of things in life that are, that are good but not pleasant. There's a few things that are both, praising the Lord, the scripture says, that are both good and pleasant. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, that's verse one. <laughs> I start to truncate it here in a little bit, don't worry. All right, verse two, the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. So historically speaking, most believe that this psalm was written after the exile during that period where God was bringing back the people, bringing back the Israelites back to uh, their home, back to Jerusalem. And this is the time when you read about Nehemiah and those kind of guys are rebuilding the walls. So this is when it was given. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. This would be a reason to praise the Lord. This would be an exciting thing. Now, it doesn't really apply to us today as much. It's hard to share in their excitement. So, but practically speaking, and more relevant to our day, we can praise the Lord because he is still building up his people. He's still building you up. He's still at work in you and he's at work in me and he's still gathering the lost and calling them home. Ephesians, one of my favorite passages in the scriptures, Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, just think about this. Think of this concept of building us up, how we're under construction and how he's bringing us home. It says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens. Aren't you glad you're a fellow citizen? With God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Praise the Lord that God is still building up Jerusalem. He's building up us and he's still gathering the people back to Israel and he's still gathering us into his family. Verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. All right, so praise God that he's healing the brokenhearted. You know, there are emotional and heart wounds that if we could just quickly exchange them for a physical wound, we would probably do it, right? If you ever had a situation, an emotional heartbreak, an emotional wound that you would quickly, happily exchange for a broken finger or for a sprained ankle, have you ever had one of those? Yeah, because these are deep, these are, these are, these are serious. Loss, grief, despair, disappointment, depression, these are all heart, Wrenching, emotional, broken heart kind of situations, anxiety, PTSD, apathy. Just the list can go on and on and on. Have you ever been broken hearted? Have you ever had an emotional wound? Well, praise the Lord. The Lord is healing those. This is the, this is what this whole passage is about it starts with praise the Lord it ends with praise the Lord and it reminds us to praise the Lord in the middle it's given us examples and it's saying are you struggling with a broken heart have you got an emotional wound praise the Lord he's still working he's still at work so this is where y'all can help me out and this is kind of touching touching into what uh I think Javon said earlier from the the platform if you have been healed of a, of a wound like we're talking about, like a, a heart issue, uh, a broken heart, that sort of thing. Would, would, you, would you stand up? The Lord has healed you. Would you stand up? Okay, as you do so, these are testimonies. This is a testimony that God is still healing the brokenhearted. And <laughs> you can grab a seat. If you're having a broken heart, thing right now, if, you're, if your heart is broken, if you're, if you're having an emotional struggle, if one of those things on that list, loss, grief, disappointment, anxiety, apathy, whatever, if one of those things is something you're dealing with right now, you need to know that the Lord has already said, I'm still healing people from that. And I'm believing that when I said earlier that the Lord is up to something, I'm believing that he's gonna heal you even today of those things. Now, if God has ever healed you of a broken heart, uh, we can be encouraged, we can get excited about that. The second part of that scripture is more of a physical manifestation. If the first part was emotional, the second part might be more physical. It says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Praise the Lord, God is a supernatural God with healing in his wings. So again, have you ever been supernaturally healed, or, or do you know of someone who has been supernaturally healed? If you do, or if you have, would you stand up? I'm talking physically somehow, stand up. Look at that. And God says, I'm still doing that. And yet people say, God don't do that no more. Again, a testimony <laughs> to the Lord. So if you've got, you got a need, if you've got a, a, a physical need, he's still binding up the wounds. Now let's just be honest too. He doesn't always, in the way we expect it. Sometimes when we pray for a healing, we pray it has to be this way, or it's not, or God ignored us. There are a, there are more options than that. <laughs> Let's just be honest. God is sovereign. He has a way. He has an ultimate plan of our healing. So whenever we're here, if I'm praying for my nephew, or praying for my grandma, or praying for my uncle, or praying for my friend, or praying for you, and it doesn't happen the way I prayed it, well, I'm probably praying wrong because I know God can do it. The question is. How many options does he have? And he's got plenty of options, but he absolutely is still, is still healing, and that's worthy to say praise the Lord for. So I realize that our God is a miracle-working God. If you've gone on any trips with Stephen and, and Riley and, and Mary and the team, I mean, they, 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 we see miracles all the time. I realize that. How about this, though? Let's look at it. Uh, how about the fact that, how do I say this? I get the supernatural. Let me bring it down to more the the mundane, more the the ordinary. Have you ever considered uh, some of the other miraculous uh, wound uh, binding that God does? Like for instance, um, he has made you to be self-healing. I was thinking about this week. Uh, if you get a cut, it'll heal itself. That's our God. Preach it. I mean seriously, come preach it because I like to sit down and listen. <laughs> if you break a bone, it mends itself, and often stronger than it was before, it mends itself. If you sprain an ankle, it will heal itself in time. If you scratch your cornea, within days, it's healed. If your hair falls out, it will, well, gr- oh, wait a second. <clears throat> this didn't work at that time. So I think it's, that's an example that we live in a fallen world, and... Sin is still here with us. All right, so, but those are examples of praise the Lord. He binds up all types of wounds, and it's good and it's fitting to praise him for the, yes, the uber miraculous, but also the everyday miraculous. God is doing and binding stuff. He's doing stuff all the time, and yet a lot of times we don't even give him credit for it. We just assume that's just the way it is, and it is the way it is because he designed it that way. Like, he gets the praise for that. We have a lot to be thankful for. Did you know that in the Jewish tradition, there is even a, um, how do I how do say it? There is a, a recitation or a, something they will recite after they go to the bathroom. I'm serious. So, like, in other words, someone will go to the bathroom, and when the whole system works, they praise the Lord for it. And again, so many times we, we take advantage or take, it, take, take for granted the things that just work because it's part of the nature, but not so in the Jewish tradition. You want to hear the, you want to hear the blessing? <laughs> this, is, this is real. It's called the Asher Yatzar, which means who formed, who formed. And it's just, it's a blessing that would be recited after going to the bathroom. Because if you've ever been in a situation in your life where going to the bathroom is difficult, it leads you to appreciate when going to the bathroom is not difficult. I'm being serious here. Seth's over there like, can't believe Josh is. All right, thank you. So here it is, this is is pretty cool. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, king of the universe, who formed man with wisdom and created within him many openings and many hollow spaces. It is obvious and known before your seat of honor that even if one of them would be opened or even if one of them would be sealed, it would be impossible to survive and to stand before you, even for one hour. Blessed are you, Adonai, who heals all flesh and acts wondrously. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) So even... Even in the, the ordinary mundane of life, there is so much to be thankful for, and we need to remember that. There's so much to be thankful for. Verse four, the end of the potty jokes. <laughs> wasn't even a potty joke. I just thought that was cool. Verse four, he determines the number of stars and calls each by name. Now, Charles Spurgeon says, and I'm paraphrasing this, he says, God counts the stars like a cashier counts coins. Charles Spurgeon says. Or to modernize the concept, God counts the stars like Michael Saylor counts Bitcoin. Some of you ought to look that up later, S-A-Y-L-O-R. Isaiah 40, 25 through 26 says, this is pretty cool. Or sorry, Isaiah 40, verse 25 through 26, talking about the stars. He says, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Amber has several chickens. They all have names. Now notice I did not say we have several chickens. This is Amber's chickens. To name a chicken is to know the chicken. (laughs) To name the chicken is to care. If you take verse three and verse four in concert, read those together again. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars and calls each by name. If you take that in tandem, From the deepest, most internalized hurt to the most distant of stars in deepest space, God knows and cares. He knows your name, he knows your hurt. And he's already doing something about it. Can somebody say praise the Lord? Verse five. Great is our Lord and mighty in power, his understanding has no limit. He is infinitely great, he is infinitely powerful, he is infinitely wise. We should take comfort and and, and actually we should take pride in knowing that our God is incomparable, is peerless. And as Gerard, where's Gerard? As Gerard might say, he is stupid awesome. (laughs) And that is a compliment of the highest order Verse six, the Lord sustains the humble but casts the wicked to the ground. The Lord sustains the humble but casts the wicked to the ground. So here we got some parallel stuff happening, the humble and the wicked. The Lord sustains the humble but casts the wicked to the ground. So why is that so important? Well, it's important because we just talked about how great God is, how big God is, how amazing and just wise and incredible and and stupid awesome he is. And if he's that great, the logical next thought might be why would he care about us humble folk? Why, why would he care if he's that? I mean, that's just that's 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 our human nature, after all. How many presidents, professional athletes, movie stars, billionaires, YouTube influencers? How many of them have called you this week? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> he's amazing and he cares about us humble folk. <clears throat> to be humble just means that you can't do it on your own and you know it. To be humble just means that you, you need help. You know you can't do life on your own. To be humble means like you got problems and you know that you're not gonna find the solution within yourself, but that's, that is in, just, in the just to be humble. And so verse six talks about two groups. There's the humble and there's the wicked. And here's the, here's the great thing about the humble, and this is where I hope most of us, all of us stand. The humble. He sustains us, he saves us, he extends grace to us. Not so the wicked, this is back to like Psalm 1, verse one through three, verses four through six. The wicked, he casts down, he destroys, he extends not grace, he extends judgment. And he's either your savior or he's your judge. And truthfully, he's both our savior and judge, but let me say it a different way. He's either your savior or he's gonna judge you and it ain't gonna be pretty. Savior? Or your judge. And there are a few places that illustrate this verse more clearly than the city of Nineveh. This is what I tried to make the entire message about, and I just tried and tried and tried and tried. And tried. It just never worked, so i managed to just bring it in here instead and it just in a, in a paragraph. Nineveh is an awful, terrible city. Do your research on the, the Assyrians. They were brutal, awful. I mean, they'd give Hitler a run for it. I mean, it was just... They're bad. They're really bad. It's a terribly wicked city. They humble themselves, repent, and they are extended grace and they are saved. And you can read all about that in the book of Jonah. Then, 150 ish years later, they're behaving terribly again and probably have been for quite some time. They did not repent, they received judgment, and they were destroyed. Psalm 73, Psalm 37 are these examples of these, these psalms that when you're just living life and you see the wicked prosper, you see the unrighteous winning, that sort of thing, and it just frustrates you as a believer. Psalm 37 and 73 and in this little portion of Psalm 147 are reminders that God sees the scope and he will sustain the humble and he will destroy, cast down the wicked. It may not happen in your timing, but it will happen. It's, that's, a, that's a truth. And unlike, like, like, we don't want to be like Jonah where we're like, kill them now. I'm mad. They all got saved. No, we don't, want to, we don't want to be that. But when you recognize that this just isn't right, take a step back. It's 150 years later when Nineveh got what they deserved. Now step back into it and say, okay, well, I'm going to trust the Lord in his timing and, uh, but you can be comforted along the way as you, as you read that if you want to read the whole story about Nineveh's destruction you can look up in the, in the book of Nahum uh, it'll tell you about that so to be clear God was right both times in Nineveh's salvation and in Nineveh's destruction he was right both times one commentator said when you see people humbled in other words when you see people suffering don't ask where is God he's there He's sustaining them. He already said he would be, and he's trustworthy. Don't ask, where is God? Instead, ask, where are God's people? Ephesians 5.1 says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Other translations say, be imitators of God. So when you find yourself in a situation, in a job, in a a school, in in a neighborhood where wickedness is winning, that sort of thing, let God be the, the sustainer and the, the, and, the, and the casting downer or the destroyer. Let God do that. You and, the, and, and the, you, you look for your place instead. And our place as believers and as, as Christians is to help God sustain the humble, help God sustain those that are suffering, not sit around and f- try to figure out when he's gonna destroy <laughs> what he's supposed to destroy. He'll do that in his time. In the meantime, we've got a work to do and that's to imitate God and God is a sustainer. God is a reacher, that's what we wanna do. Verse seven, anybody still awake? Aren't you glad we're not doing all 20? <laughs> Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving, make music to our God on the harp. And a lot of translations say, make music to God on the lyre, which I thought was lyre, but it's lyre, I looked it up. So verses one, seven, and 12 all encourage us to praise the Lord. They are like, all the stuff in between is like telling us why we should praise the Lord, but one, seven, and 12 just come right out, and of course, then the very last word of 20 just comes out and says, praise the Lord. And uh, so all this verse is just a reminder, and oh, by the way, if you just wanna be a real stickler for the word, and you wanna be really devout, 39.99, you can get yourself a liar on (laughs) amazon.com. And if you spend 79.99, Get out one that's really nice with a case. Verse eight, he covers the sky, Oh, I like this. I like, this is probably my favorite verse. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. And let's just do a nine too, just to speed this thing up. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. So he covers the sky with clouds. He provides, supplies rain for the earth. Uh, grass will grow, the animals eat, even the ravens. So here we go again. Just like earlier, we have a, we are, our design is to be self-healing. We can take that for granted in our bodies. We can easily also take for granted the common routines of nature. Remember this, this whole verse, all these verses are about reasons to praise the Lord, reasons to praise the Lord. And he just says, look, just look at nature. Just look at all the stuff that happens without you having to do anything. You know, we make you know, our to-do list at the beginning of the day. None of them was feed the ravens. (laughs) How annoying would that be? Got to get the laundry done, feed the ravens. I mean, come on. None of it was make the grass grow on the hillside where no one's even looking. God does that. Give him praise for that. Come on. So God designs it that way. It's that way because God designed it that way. It's for our benefit, it's for the world's benefit. He did it, it's in his heart to do it. There's rain, there's grass, there's food for the wild animals, it just happens. But it's because he designed it. And we can't take that for granted, we need to praise the Lord. So if you came into the house and you're like, well I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't have I not nothing to praise God about, life's terrible. Praise him for that grass. Praise him for that raven you didn't have to feed. John Piper. I read this like six, seven years ago, and I love it. I think I've shared it one time. I'm not sure if it was a youth group or where, but man, this is a good devotion. And it was this devotion titled The Great Work of God, Rain, A Thanksgiving Meditation. And so I, I, I'm gonna read some of it. And I just think it's just great how he, he, he helps us to, to capture this idea that we need to give praise for these common everyday miracles. So here we go. Uh, he's not actually referring to 147 where we talked about clouds and rain but he's talking about Job 5 8 through 10 which reads but as for me I would seek God and I would place my cause before God who does great and unsearchable things wonders without number he gives rain on the earth and sends water on the fields now if I would have asked you a few minutes ago hey tell me something like inexplicable, tell tell me something just amazing and awe-inspiring and an unsearchable thing that God does, you probably wouldn't have mentioned rain. That would not have been what came out of your mouth because I just—I think we take it for granted. It's just nature and it's uh, it's amazing, but it's just, no, that just happens. So then John Piper goes on and he has this fun conversation with himself and I think it's just delightful. So I'm gonna read it to you. I'm gonna try my best to kind of give some inflection so you can kind of see the conversation taking place. Is rain a great and unsearchable wonder, he asks. Picture yourself as a farmer in the Near East, far from any lake or stream. A few wells keep the family and animals supplied with water, but if the crops are to grow and if the family is to be fed from month to month, water has to come on the fields from another source. But from where? Well, the sky. The sky? Water will come out of the clear blue sky? Well, not exactly water will have to be carried in the sky from the Mediterranean Sea over several hundred miles and then poured out from the sky onto the fields. Carried? How how much does it weigh? Well, if one inch of rain falls on one square mile of farmland during the night, that would be 27,878,400 cubic feet of water which is 206,300,160 gallons of water, which is 1,650,501,280 pounds of water. Wow, that's heavy. So, so how does it get up in the sky and s- stay up there if it's so heavy? Well, it gets up there by evaporation. Really, that's a nice word. What, what does that mean? It means that the water sort of stops being water for a while, so it can go up and not down. I see, then, 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 then how does it come down? Well, condensation happens. What in the world is that? <clears throat> well, the water starts uh, becoming water again by gathering around little dust particles between .00001 and .0001 centimeters wide. Mm, that's small. Uh, what about the salt? The salt? Yeah, I mean, the Mediterranean Sea is salt water. That would kill the crops. What about the salt? Oh, well, the salt has to be taken out, clearly. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. So, so the sky picks up a billion pounds of water from the sea and takes out the salt and then carries it for 300 miles and then dumps it on the farm. Am I understanding that correctly? Uh, well, y- yes, but that does, it doesn't really dump it. If it dumped a billion pounds of water on the farm, the wheat would be crushed. So the sky kind of dribbles it <clears throat> dribbles the billion pounds of water down little little drops at a time and they have to be big enough to fall for 1 mile or or so without it, it, it evaporate and but small enough to keep from crushing the wheat stalks whoa how do all these microscopic specks of water that weigh a billion pounds get heavy enough to fall if that's even the way to ask the question well well, well that's called coalescence what It it means the specks of water start bumping into each other and and join up and get bigger. And and when they are big enough, they fall. Whoa, just like that. Well, not exactly just like that, because they they would just bounce off each other instead of joining up if there were no electric field. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Just take my word for it. I think instead, I will instead just take Job's word for it. I still don't see why drops ever get to the ground because if they start falling as soon as they're heavier than air, they would be too small not to evaporate on the way down. But if they wait to come down, what holds them up till they are big enough not to evaporate? Yes, I am sure there is a name for that. But I am satisfied uh, now that by any name, this is a great and unsearchable thing that God has done. I think I should be thankful. I think I should be more thankful. So your response is the appropriate response. In all these things that we see in the verses, it's to praise the Lord. Whether through clapping or singing or, or, or prayer, or whatever, it's to praise praise the Lord. And he, he does all this, he's designed all this because he loves you. And he also loves the wild animals. <laughs> and it's just, it's just amazing he's done this. And so again, I say praise the Lord. The pulpit commentary in 1950 says, and I like this, I couldn't find any other place to put it in there and I didn't want to like, take it out. I just like how he puts words in there that shouldn't be in there. And it kind of makes you think. It says, the rain and the snow are God's ministers and they go forth from him just as his word does. The rain and the snow are God's ministers and they go forth from him just as his word does. The reason it makes me praise the Lord is because I can see that the Lord is actively blessing us actively providing for us. And it's amazing that he does that and that he'd even care because after all, he's this huge, awesome, big, stupid, amazing God. Stupid, amazing with a hyphen, not stupid, comma, amazing. Totally different context. Stupid, amazing. <clears throat> it's amazing. So, Two more verses. This is a, we'll get to our stopping point. Two more verses and then you help me with the last, the third one. and We'll do that one together with, with Brent's help and whoever he calls forward. Verse 10. His pleasure, God's pleasure is not in the strength of the horse nor his delight in the legs of a man. The older I get, and tell me if you share this same idea, the older I get, the less impressed I am with pro athletes and entertainers. Don't get me wrong. Do not get me wrong. LeBron, he can throw that circle into that circle really nicely. I mean, he's good. Really impressive. He can throw that little ball and that little hoop with the best of them. Super cool. Who cares? Now, Luka Doncic on the other hand, (laughs) Luka, Luka. No, those things are sports and entertainment. It's there. It's it's there for us. I mean, do it appropriately, uh, and it can be a blessing. It can be a it can be a help. It can be a uh, uh, it it can be entertainment. But the older I get, the more I am less impressed with athletes and entertainers and stuff like that. But I'm more impressed with guys like Father Colby of Auschwitz. Read him. He's impressive. My own dad of Fort Worth, meet him. He's impressive. Charles Spurgeon of London, we mentioned him earlier. Brian Webb coming in from Vanuatu, or actually coming in from the States. He's been out of Vanuatu since COVID hit, coming back to the States, to our our church. I'm impressed with what he's doing. Pastor Dan, I'm impressed with Pastor Dan. We got a good pastor. We got a good pastor. (laughs) And many, 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 many others, many, many of you far more impressed with you and the lives that you're living than I am with somebody who can throw a ball, you know, sixty yards. It just it's just starting to get more aligned with, with the Lord's way of thinking on these things. And just looking at just looking out here, I mean seriously, like like just the front row here. I mean, impressed. You women, impressed, 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 impressed. Just it's amazing. Just it's fabulous what the Lord's doing. His pleasure, God's pleasure, it's not in the strength of a horse, nor his delight in the legs of a man. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. We tend to value racehorses, we tend to value running backs that can gain 1,000 yards in a season. The Lord, he delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. It's important to remind ourselves of what God values from time to time, especially in days like today where we're so distracted, everywhere we turn, we're so distracted and if we're not careful, uh, will mis- get misaligned. It's important to remember what God values. And so what I know that God values, and there's other things in the scriptures that he values as well, but he delights that we fear him. And that doesn't mean like we're petrified of him, I can't go in his presence, he's just gonna beat me or something. That's not, that's not it's, the, it's more of an awe that we fear him and we put our hope in him and his unfailing love. That's what the Lord delights in. So there we are at the end of verse 11. I challenged you earlier to to reach out and take hold of a truth or maybe truths of God and hopefully somewhere along my rambling you found something that you're like, you know what, that's right. I'm gonna grab grab that. And I pray that that truth will be as sweet as a strawberry puff. (laughs) Not as bitter as a tied laundry detergent pod. But no, so, so, so now together, Brent, if you'd join me. Um, the verse, verse 12, I told you earlier that verse 1, 7, and 12, and in the very end at 20, they're reminders uh, to praise the Lord, and then everything else in between are the reasons for. And so as we get back to verse 12, I'd like us to do this together, and let's do it through song, because to sing is a privilege that not everybody has. In verse 12 says, Extol the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. Let's pray. <clears throat> so Lord, as we look at your word, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for all that you're doing for us, whether we actively acknowledge it or we take it for granted, but we thank, thank you for that. And so Lord, now as we just wrap up the service, may we praise you, just like the psalm uh, implored us to do May we praise you and may we sing praises to you specifically because it's good because it's pleasant and because it's fitting we will praise the Lord amen